invite all of you in both rooms to turn to Joshua chapter 3 this morning, and we welcome to the preaching time this morning. Those of you in the worship center, it's good to commission those folks with them. And so now we come to um, our sermon series, Joshua chapter 3. If you're new to Bible study, um, there's a pew rack in the Bible right in front of you in the other room. Here in this room, if you need a hard copy of the Word of God, we can find one. Our, our deacons are looking around to see if anyone's going to raise their hand there. So um, go ahead and find your place. Uh, if you're looking digitally, you should be able to find Joshua real easily. It's at the very front of the scriptures. And so we welcome all of you together. And as you're turning and finding Joshua chapter 3 this morning, I do want to just point out this Life Transfer De- Transformation Day uh, insert in your bulletin. And on September 25, uh, we're going to gather all together in one room over in the worship center, one big service where we're going to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of individuals. And a a key, key part of that is baptism. And so last week we had the privilege of seeing people come up and literally just hand us these cards and say, hey, we want to be baptized. And so we're asking you to consider if you haven't been baptized biblically. And what that simply means is baptized by immersion after you have come to follow Jesus. Maybe um, you, f- you were baptized as a, as a young person, uh, as a little boy, a little girl, came to know and follow Jesus later on in life. We would simply ask you to do what Jesus has commanded us to do, that after you are following him, to let it be known publicly. And so we can't wait for some of you. We can't wait to baptize some of you. So this is what this is for. We encourage you to bring this up to one of the ministers at the end of both of our services or, or to find um, someone at the Welcome Center desk, which is out there by the Worship Center. Go ahead and, and uh, fill this out and bring this to us. We can't wait to see. Uh, what God is going to do through you. It's a great, it's a great season, uh, a great time to be moving forward here at Taylor's. That's just one example there. On the, on the way in today, just just met a um, a guy that plays for, for Furman. Furman football. Football is right around the corner. Are you excited about Furman fo- uh, football? You, you can be excited about Furman football if you want, but we're excited about football in general. I mean, it is an exciting time to be at church. It's an exciting time to see what God is going to be doing through us. That's just one example. But here is the the challenge for some of you in the season that you're in right now, is that God is asking you to step forward into something new, to step forward into a new season or a new relationship or a new role or a new responsibility. Or or God is asking you to step forward to reconcile with somebody, maybe in your home, your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter, to reconcile with a parent. Maybe God is asking you and challenging you to, to step forward and to release someone or something, some emotion, some feeling something that has been lodged deep down into your heart and into your soul, and it really affects everything that you say, everything that you do. It affects your home life. It affects, I don't know what it is, but last week, here's where we are. Last week, God called a a man named Joshua to take a people into a new season, into a new chapter of their lives. And and here's the context of where we've been. In Joshua chapter Chapter 1, we saw that, that God had moved the people just outside 
the Jordan River. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to move them across into the promised land. And 600 years earlier, 700 years earlier, somewhere in there, God came to a man named Abraham, one man, and said, you have no children, let alone a family and a nation, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, through you and through a son that I'm going to give you, I'm going to bring about a nation and a people, and they're going to have their own land from which they are going to bless other nations. And so Abraham received this call by God to step out in great faith and to step into something new. And he left his home and he, he went, he started his family. And, and from that act of faith and from that step of obedience into something new, God over the years brought about a, a, a massive amount of people. And they were stuck in Egypt and God freed them from Egypt. Maybe you've heard of Moses, the great leader who came to the, to the people late in life and he led them out of Egypt with the mighty hand of God with these plagues and it was miraculous and the people are free and they're and now they're they're on their way to the promised land but uh oh something happened they begin to grumble they begin to complain they begin to rebel where are we going what's going on here we don't like it out here and God said enough you're not trusting me I, 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 I've been moving you into a new place to a new season and, and, and you don't believe and because of their belief because of their rebellion God punished them and God said you're going to sit still. You're, you're going to wait. So for 40 years, they have to wait before they can cross over into this beautiful new land that God had given them. And so now Moses passes away. The people are waiting. And God comes to Joshua and he says, now, it's time. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to move, move this people into a brand new place. Now, I'm sure at that time, as we'll see today, there were all kinds of questions. There were all kinds of objections. There were all kinds of, of uncertainties about what was God going to do and how was he going to do it. And maybe you have those same questions in your heart and in your mind about, I believe God is calling me or speaking to me or he's asking something of me, but I don't know how he's going to do it. And because of that, you're afraid. And when we're afraid and we, we don't know how, we don't see how, we delay, we wait. Sometimes we turn around and go back. What can God's word help us with this morning as we look at our fears when, when they meet God's power? Turn to Joshua chapter 3. You should be already there. I'm going to read the first six verses this morning, and then I'm going to walk us through three paragraphs. I'm going to pull out of the text three thoughts that really summarize that paragraph and hopefully lead and shepherd you in both of our rooms this morning as we talk about our fears when God asks us to step out in faith. Here it is, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and you shall follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and the Ark, about 2,000 cubits in length, which is about half a mile, 
do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. All right, you have your pen handy. Here's thought number one out of that paragraph, and then we're going to walk through it together. Thought number one is this. When it comes to preparation for what God has called you to step into, what God has called you to do, and when it comes to the preparation, reverence for God is the start of finding direction from God. You don't know where to begin? How do I get ready? This is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. Here's the preparation we see in this very first paragraph, that reverence for God is the start of finding direction from God. Joshua had a lot to do to lead the people over. In Numbers chapter 26, it says this, that there were over 600,000 young men, 20 years and older, who were, re- who, were, who were fit to fight in battle. All right, That's the number. So they took a census. That's, a, that's an enormous amount of people in and of itself. Add to that all of the wives, add to that all of the children, add to that all of the possessions that they had. When we talk about moving day, this is the ultimate moving day right here. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And Joshua had a lot to prepare for to get them ready to take the next step over. But here's what God says. God says, listen, Joshua, I'm after more than simply having everything gathered up. God is a God of details, as we'll see throughout this book. But more than that, and this is important because this day is enormous, all right? To quote one of our political candidates, it is huge, all right? This day is huge. Think about it. There were two big days in the life of the nation of Israel that they look back on, all right? One is Egypt when they were set free. The other is this day when they are let into the land. Huge, huge. Can you imagine God in his heart? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and the people rebel, and he judges the people. Now, God knows all of this is going to take place. We can't understand the heart and mind of God. But yet, can you imagine? This is the day. I promised Abraham it was going to come. And now the people are going to go in. And now the people are going to see who I am. So there's a lot to do on this big, big day. But God comes to Joshua and he says, listen, I am more concerned about the preparation of the people's hearts than I am making sure they have all their belongings with them. And we see this in the Ark of the Covenant. We read about it here. What is the Ark of the Covenant? It's listed over and over and over again in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. And the Ark of the Covenant is this box. It's about two and a half feet wide, about two and a half feet long, two and a half to three feet high, somewhere in there. It's a wooden chest, and God came to Moses, and he said, listen, um, this is a, a special piece of furniture by which you will come to me, and you will hear from me, and you will worship me, and you will lead other people to worship And this is the symbol of my presence with you. And it was overlaid with gold and it had these angels that are bowing together. 
And it became this incredible symbol that they put away in the, the holy place. It was, it was supposed to be the only piece of furniture in there as they're wandering through the wilderness. They would set up this tent where they would worship, but Moses would go into the most holy place to meet with, with God. And here's what the people began to understand about the Ark of the Covenant. It just wasn't a piece of furniture in the meeting place. This was the symbol of the holiness of God. This was the symbol of the, the glory and the power of God. God is so much greater than, they, than, than the people. And so when Moses would go in and he would come back out, the people would just be in awe of what Moses would see and what he would hear. And so God comes to Joshua and he says, listen, before you step into this new challenge, and I know, I know you have a lot to do, but here's what I'm after. I'm after the people and their hearts, and I want to shape their hearts, and I want them to understand that I am holy. The ark was going to go before the people. This ark was so revered that you couldn't even touch it. There's a story in the Old Testament where the ark is on a cart and it starts to wobble and one man, all he does is he, he touches it. He, he goes to hold up the, the ark and he's struck dead because you're not supposed to touch the ark. It's holy. It's reverent. And so Joshua, my holiness is going before the people and I want, I want their hearts. And so Joshua says, okay, the art's going to go ahead of us, and I want you to consecrate yourselves, people. And what this means is that the people were to, to wash their clothes. Husbands and wives couldn't. They had to abstain from relationships with one another. This was a, a period of time where the people just said, God, we commit our hearts and we commit our lives to you. We, we recognize that you have called us to this. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. When Moses comes before the holiness of God, Moses, you're going to lead the people in the burning bush. And he says, Moses, take off your shoes, the feet you're standing, the, sh- the, 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 the sand, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And Moses bows before God, submits his heart, begins to shape his heart. We see this in the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He sees the holiness of God. God is is so high, is so lifted up, is so distant from him and different than him. And Isaiah's first cry is, woe is me, I am sinful, I, I need cleansing. And here is what God is after in you and me. He wants to shape your, your heart. He wants you, before you make that move, before you take that step, before you do whatever God has called you to do and is difficult, he is concerned about who you are first before what you do because he wants you to see yourself in light of him. And here's what happens when we see the holiness of God, when we see how great and perfect he is, we suddenly realize something. We don't have our act together as much as we would like to think. And we're not as right as we think we are. And we're not as in charge as we think we are. And suddenly our hearts are softened and shaped before a holy God who goes before us. And that's what he's after. And there's a great line in that verse, chapter 3, where it says this. This is why God wants to do that. Because you have not gone this way before. Some of you are stepping into something you've never 
done before. You've never gone down this path or this road. You're about to go to a place where you're uncertain and where, where you're not sure how it's all going to work out. You don't have control. And God is saying, I, I know that. I know that. And that is why I want your heart. That's why I want your reverence before me so that in reverence, you find the direction you're to go. And here, here, here's the bottom line trust so that your heart begins to trust the father who knows better than you and I do illustration my dad came over to my house a few weeks ago my dad is 80 years old and he still is active and my dad is one of those guys that can make anything he he he, he can he can fix anything rather he he he, he is an electrician by trade and th- i still believe to this day that there is nothing my dad cannot fix if it's broken mechanically. Do you have a dad like that? But the sad part is I can't fix a thing. <laughs> I, I can't do anything like that. I, I'm just in awe of my dad that, that he still does it. So he's 80 years old, and so I had him come over, and I said, Dad, there's some electrical stuff going on in our house, and it's driving us crazy because lights are going off and power outlets don't work, and we don't know what switch is going on. And, and so, you know, my dad just comes over, and, I mean, just piece by piece, Room by room, he's going in and he's just clicking this stuff off. And so when my dad comes to me and he says, son, I need you to go um, cut the power off to this room because I don't want you and I to get electrocuted. Yes, sir, got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go cut that off. And when I see my dad cutting wire, you know, me, if I'm cutting wires, I probably burn my house down, right? He's cutting green wires. He's cutting red wires. He's merging these wires. He's in boxes. He's doing all this stuff. Son, I need you to do to do this. Yes, sir, Dad. I I got it, man. This is amazing. How fast you're going through this? You know, putting up ceiling fan and all. It's just just click click, just steady. And my heart trusts him because I I don't know how to do that stuff, right? And whatever God calls you to do, don't be afraid that you haven't gone down the road before. Don't be afraid you don't know how to do it. That's the point. He wants to shape your heart so that you're entirely dependent upon the God that goes before you. All right? Second paragraph. Let's read it together. Verse 7. So the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, Joshua. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, that when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. That's a mouthful right there. All right, a lot of people, a lot of words, a lot of syllables. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe of man, 
And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. All right, here's the second thought this morning coming out of this paragraph. And it regards the power of God. God's blueprint is designed to display his power, not keep you comfortable. All right. Are you ready to step into something new? The aim of God is not your comfort. The aim of God is not your control. The aim of God is to, de- to design a plan and a path forward so that his power is seen in you and through you. And this often makes us uncomfortable. You know, in that introduction where we saw John F. Kennedy talking about putting a man on the moon, if there was 24-hour cable news in 1962, can you imagine? I, I mean, I, I, can verba- I can almost verbatim tell you what, what the, the Republicans and the Democrats at that time would probably say. President Kennedy, obviously, you have no clue how much this is going to cost the American taxpayers. You have no clue. This is absolutely ridiculous. President Kennedy, there are so many things here at home that need uh, repair, that need attention, infrastructure, uh, transportation, health. President Kennedy, obviously you have misplaced priorities here. There is no way that this is going to take place. President Kennedy, I know you're concerned about the Soviets. I know you're concerned about, about beating them to the moon. I've never heard of anything more absurd in my entire life than beating the Russians to the moon is going to beat back communism around the world. What are you thinking? I mean, on and on it would go. President Kennedy, are you kidding me? Do you know how difficult this is going to be? On and on the objections go. Now, when we come to Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, I can hear the people of Israel as they're waiting there by the Jordan because we hear later on in chapter 3 and on into chapter 4, God says it a couple of times just so we get it in our minds. He says this, this was the season by which the Jordan River, its banks are overflowed and the water is rushing down. So the, the water not only gets deeper, it begins to move out. It's a time that you don't want to be hanging out by the Jordan River. So when Joshua comes to the people and he says, the Lord has spoken, it's time to move. I can hear the objectors now. General Joshua, not now. (laughs) We've waited 40 years. What is four months in order for stuff to dry up and we can move forward? Another group might come to him. General Joshua, um, not here. Why do, why, why here? We got families. I got dads calling me on the phone. I got dads emailing and texting me. You mean to tell me, General Joshua, you're going to take my family through there? How in the world do you think you're going to do that? So General Joshua, we're here to be very reasonable with you. We're here to help you. Okay. Here's what we want to do. Find another way, find another time or find another place. We, We just want the same things you do. And what's at stake here? And the objections that you raise in your mind, they're very reasonable, they're very natural. But that's just it. God wants to do something supernatural through you. And so he says, yes. Joshua, here's the plan. Here's here's the design. The priests, they grab the pole, grab the ark. When they come to those waters that are rushing down, I mean, in your mind, think Louisiana the last couple of weeks, appliances going down the river. Furniture going down the cars. The priests, as soon as their feet hit Joshua, 
you watch. And, and the people aren't going to be able to, to see that first step when you land. But you watch what happens. Joshua, you stick to the plan. God is not comfortable. Comfortable is not what I'm after. My power through you is what I'm after. You step. You tell the priest to step in there, Joshua. And here, here's the key to the whole thing. Here, here's the key is that they hear from the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, verse 7, later on, verse 9 and verse 10, Joshua says, let me, people, let me connect you to the words of God. If you're a leader here, if you're a leader here, there's nothing greater than you can do than this, that you connect people to what God says. Joshua saying, it's not my job for the power of God to simply just show up through me. I'm connecting you to what he says so that you move forward and watch God work. As your pastor, I am trying to connect you to what God says so that you can move forward. But you must hear from God. Not only in this sermon, you must hear from God in your daily walk. Let me connect the dots. Preaching on Sunday morning about disciple making. Wednesday night right here talking about disciple making. This right here where the people have to hear the word of God and walk through what God says. Let me try and connect the dots. The reason I'm so passionate about the word of God in your life is because some of you are coming to the Jordan and I don't want you to turn back and I want you to move forward and I want you and your family to get across to what God has for you in your life. But you're not going to do it if you don't hear from God. And that is why I want the word of God be in your heart and know how to read it and study it. That's why we talk about discipleship groups and talk about the word of God as central in the lives of our people. Because why? Because you're facing Jordans in your life and I want you to move forward. And perhaps the reason we don't step out in obedience is because we don't see how we can do it. But that's where God wants to do it through you. This past week, I heard a sermon by Paul Tripp. He's a wonderful, wonderful pastor, conference speaker. And he had a quote that I've just been chewing on. You ever, you ever have one of those quotes someone says to you or a book and you just chew on it and you just, oh, I needed that. And he's telling the story from Mark chapter, I forget what chapter it's in, where the disciples have been sent by Jesus across the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up, and it's not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. A storm comes up, and the boat's about to tip over, and so Jesus sees them out there, and he begins to walk on the water. And, and there's a great line in that, in that gospel where it says that Jesus desired <laughs> to pass by the boat. I, I never really caught that. And what Jesus wants the disciples to do is to see that on their own, they're not going to make it. But that's why he's there. And to understand that for the rest of their lives, they'll forever have this image and they'll forever have this picture of Jesus doing something for them that there's no way they can do on their own. And here's the quote. It's on the screen. Sometimes God will take you where you haven't intended to go in order to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. I love that. Church, your guest here, sometimes God is going to put you in a boat 
in a storm, on the banks of a flooding river, in order to get you to a place that you never intended to go so that he could achieve something you would never do on your own. Which brings us to the last paragraph this morning. Let's read it together. How does this story end? So when the, the people, verse 14, set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. And here's the line. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is by Zarethan. It's about 20 miles up the river. And those flowing down, uh, down toward the sea of the, of the air above, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Oh, I love this picture. Here's how we're going to end today. Third point is this. Here's the proof that God's presence near you today brings the confidence that he's going to sustain you tomorrow. There'll be times where fear or anxiety will just kind of leap up and grab my heart. And I need this point right here because God has been with me in the past. He'll sustain me for the future. This is an amazing picture. When you think of these priests, they, they step into the water and God, at that point, when he sees the faith of the people, he stops the river 15 to 20 miles up, up, upstream there, and slowly but surely, the waters begin to recede, and so here they come. Here come our priests, and can you imagine the scene, just walking out on dry ground and seeing the water go down one side, seeing the water dry up on the other side, and I mean, think about it. Probably over a million people. How long is that going to take? I don't know. I mean, this can take a while. And they go over and, and they're standing in the Jordan River with this box. And Joshua says to the men as they, they, they cross over, he says to some of the leaders, he says, go get some stones, chapter four, go get some stones and put it on the other side so that when you cross on the other side, you'll see that God has indeed done what he said he was going to do and he's brought you to a place that... You never would have been able to go on your own. Here, here, here's what I love about this picture. And this so moved me this, this week when I thought of this. That the ark is half a mile ahead in the first paragraph that we read. It's distant because God is holy. And, and it's as if we can't see him. And it's as if we're far from him. But then as the people begin to cross, there's the ark right next to them. I mean, can't you hear some of the sons? Can't you hear some of the daughters? Can't you hear some of the wives, the husbands? That's the ark. That, that, that's the peace we've never seen before. We, we've heard about it moving. 
And we, we, we've heard about Moses coming. We've heard about the power and the glory of God. But we thought it was way ahead of us. We could, but here it is. Dad, is that the ark? Is that, is that the presence of God? Yes, son. That's it. He's here. You mean he, he did all this? Yeah, that's the ark. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it. He's here. You mean that, that that same presence, when we get on the other side, that's the God that's going to work. That's it. And here, here's what I want to share with you. This is so beautiful. That there is a God who is distant and far away. And in his son, Jesus, God has come near to you. And he stepped into the Jordan River 2,000 years ago, and he was baptizing. He came up out of the water, and he was on his way to a cross to die for your sin and to die for my sin. And he suffered and died so that you might not be incredibly distant from the Father, but through forgiveness of your sin, he could be near you. And the gospel is the gospel of a God that is so holy and righteous, but yet near to sinners who are weak and in need of a Savior and in need of being sustained tomorrow. And the gospel is now near you in Christ. So trust him. This might be the word some of you need walking out of here, that he is here. I needed that word this week. And so I say that word to you. He is here. He is near you. All authority, he says, is mine. All power is mine. He is near you. Trust him. Give your life to him if you're not a follower of Jesus. Follow him wherever he leads you. And know that where he leads you today in all of his power and might is how he'll sustain you tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me now? Lord, will you take your word and drive it deep into the heart of those that need it? We all need it, but some perhaps aren't quite as open. And that is where your spirit must come in. So by your spirit and through your word and because of your great grace, would you change hearts? There are dads here who are afraid. They're not going to admit it. There are moms here who are afraid. There are workers, employees here scared to go in to work tomorrow morning. It's Monday morning. Their stomach's already in knots. Father, there are relationships that are strained, and there is fear to see those individuals. There, there, is, there is release that needs to happen. There are people holding on to things, and it has become their idol. It is what, is what controls them, and they know, release this for the glory of God in my life. Whatever it is, Father, as our people stand on the Jordan River and they say, not now, not here, no way. Father, would you come in with your grace and say, I am here. 
use your word to transform your people. And I pray that I've been faithful to your word to connect your word to your people so you do the work. Father, thank you. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.